My entitled landlord mocks the fact that my mom just passed away, claiming that she doesn't care that my mom died and that I still need to pay my rent on time. So after she said that, I saw red and decided to get revenge and effectively over the next few months took apart her real estate business, forcing her and her stupid son to file for bankruptcy. And I've never seen someone more deserving of this fate in my life. Here's what happened. So my now ex-wife and I moved into an apartment in 2010. The house is a whole was a renovated townhouse split between two sides with two apartments upstairs. Now, I wasn't the biggest fan of the apartment as it was a much older building than I had ever lived in, but I quickly adjusted to the wood creaking throughout the night. On the initial walkthrough, we noticed that the only problem was that there was a dip in the bathroom ceiling. The landlord by the name of Jay, that's not their real name, promised us that he would fix it as soon as possible. Well, one year to the day that we moved in there, we heard a loud crack at 4 in the morning. The bathroom ceiling had collapsed and there was tiling and wood all over the floor and in the bathtub. Now, my wife at the time was typically the aggressive one while I was more passive and laid back and she kept calling Jay throughout the day. When she got in touch with him at around 9 o'clock at night, she explained what happened and insisted that it be fixed immediately. But Jay rebuffed, yelling that his girlfriend was a lawyer and that he didn't need to do anything. Now, this is honestly where I got mad. I went outside to have a cigarette and to call him myself. I feigned a relaxed demeanor and at first he began trying to talk to me as if I was his bro and kept saying stuff like, dude, I'm gonna get someone out there and it's gonna take like a few weeks. When he couldn't sway me that way, he began yelling about his girlfriend and how she knew the law. But what he was unaware of is that I had read the tenant laws in my state and so as he tried to lie, I waited until he finished and then I recited the law, stating that if an apartment was considered uninhabitable, that the landlord needed to pay for the tenant to stay in a place until it was completely resolved, meaning that he would have to pay for us to stay in a hotel of our choosing, by the way, every single night until the ceiling was fixed. He then tried to say that our upstairs neighbor was the supervisor, but he wasn't sure if he could get him down there that night. He placed me on hold, then came back a few minutes later and said that my upstairs neighbor by the name of Phil was out of state with his girlfriend, but I didn't believe him for a second, so I decided to take matters into my my own hands. I rang Phil's doorbell and asked him with Jay on the speakerphone if he was assigned as the supervisor. He just laughed and said no. Dejected, Jay said he would have people out there the next day, even though previously he said it would be for at least three weeks. There's a lot more to this incident, but it led me to two very specific conclusions. For one, if you're going to lie, then there has to be a consistency in your lie and make sure that the people you lie to don't communicate with each other. And secondly, this is where a feud started between me and my wife versus him and his mother. She was the original landlord and gave the house to him so he could begin to make a side profit. Fast forward to a year later and Jay stopped coming to the house and his mom began doing the pickups. Around this time, my ex and I had been laid off and we were working with Social Security for food, health and housing insurance. We were approved for all three in April, but we would not get the check until May. When our typical check wasn't in the landlord's mailbox, he immediately gave a summons saying that he was taking us to court for conviction. The day we went to court, he had no lawyer and we were still all going before the judge. The judge asked, does the defense have a means to pay within 90 days of non-payment? We said to them, yes, your honor. We then handed over paperwork showing that he will be reimbursed for April and May. The judge says, I see no problem. They are breaking no laws. Why are we even here? Jay then says, well, your honor, they've been bullying me. The judge interrupted him and said, I don't 
care. Unless they are breaking a law, then this case is dismissed. Well, suffice it to say, Jay and his mother were not happy. Around this time in my life, things were tumultuous. My mother, who had been battling lung cancer for four and a half years, finally succumbed to it in June. This happened at roughly the same time his mom came knocking, looking for payment. I explained that I would leave the check in the mailbox when we got back from the funeral home, and to please just respect my right to mourn. She took her fingers and began rubbing them together, pretending to play the world's smallest violin. I will never forget what she said next. Oh, my mommy just died. Woe is me. She probably had it coming. I don't care if your entire family is dead. I want my money. She then smiled smugly, proud with what she had just said. At that point, I saw red, and my heart jumped into my throat. I went, grabbed the check, and handed it to her in absolute shock that anyone would say something so messed up. She had finally managed to push a button that very few people I've known throughout my life have even come close to pressing. I went into rage mode, but not in the way that you would expect. And this is where my revenge started to take place. We were always told that if a health inspector came by to not open the door, well, I waited until August, since that was the month before the lease was going to run out, and we knew they would not be extending a renewal. I walked up the block to town hall to ask for the health inspection of our property, and it was scheduled for a few days later. Now, there are a few things that you need to know about this situation. For starters, I was friends with all of the tenants. Phil had moved out with his fiance, but the new tenant was a really cool girl around my age by the name of Danny. Tom and Hannah on the other side of the downstairs floor had moved out in July, and Jay was still looking to fill it. The only one who wanted to stay out of this was Rose on the upper right apartment. Secondly, I had gotten permission, as well as her spare key, so I could let the inspector in Danny's apartment, and I knew that I could use the back staircase on the right side to let him into Tom's now vacant apartment. And third, I also knew that Danny was moving out in September, which is a month after we would move out. The inspector came and it was glorious. He checked the exterior of the house first, noting that wires were exposed. There was an old empty dryer, along with other odd clutter in the backyard. I brought him inside the shared entrance and as I was coming in, he noticed that the last inspected date was back in 1994, which was a little under 20 years to the day that this happened. This meant that for each year he did not have an inspection, there would be an appropriate fine. For our apartment, we had black mold growing in our bathroom and the bubble in the ceiling had begun to regrow to problematic proportions. Upstairs, Danny's apartment was suffering from leaks in the ceiling and it looked like her bathroom ceiling was also on the brink of collapsing. We then went to the basement. The boiler was on the verge of exploding. There was flammable items along with gasoline and a pack of matches sitting right beside it. The fire door that separated the two sides did not close all the way, basically rendering it pointless and useless. And on the right side of the basement, there was a toilet. A toilet that had blown up. It had coated the surrounding walls and the leakage prevented us from going up to the floor via the right side. And by the way, the entire time, the inspector was photographing and writing constantly. We stepped outside and he said that he needed to come back. When I asked why, he said he had to run out of the space to write down all of the infractions. He had literally filled the front and had written an entire page on the back portion. I kindly and coyly said, well, how much will it cost right now? He scratched his head and said, well, it's probably going to be around twenty to $30,000 from what I can see, but it's probably going to be higher as this house was never licensed to be split into apartments. I thanked him for his time and he said he was going to come back with a county inspector. So eventually we moved out at the end of August, but I got an update from Rose who did stay behind 
in the apartment complex. Because he was the current owner, he owed all current fines and nobody knew could move into the empty apartments until everything was up to code. Basically, with three out of the four being vacant, he was losing thousands of dollars in potential rent. He handed the property back to his mother and had to file for bankruptcy. Now here's the other thing that makes this even more interesting. Every time an old tenant left and a new one was coming in, an inspection was supposed to be done. And now that all the financial burden had fell on her, they looked into the records and she was fined for each time she had broken the rule. By the end of the year, Rose had moved out, so the place was hemorrhaging money. Meanwhile, I'm just sitting back, proud of what I had done. Now, maybe you're asking, is this all you did? Well, no. It wasn't even close to being done yet. I felt like I had completely destroyed Jay, but my real target had always been his mom. I learned that she had eight properties throughout three towns in my county. I went to each one, spoke to the tenants, and said that I was a concerned tenant from another property and asked if they had any problems with their apartments. Every single person I asked described the apartment in very poor condition and it had intolerable levels and that the mom was effectively a slumlord. She would ignore problems unless someone turned to litigations. She was threatened that they would summon the inspector or, more often than not, the people would just straight up move out. She would refuse their deposit and sink those into cosmetic repairs so that the apartment looked nicely furnished. People rarely fought back because she knew that the occupants were of upper lower class minorities. So being the concerned person I was, I went to the inspector of the other two towns and asked for an inspection to be done with at least one tenant, if not more, and we would be waiting for when they came back. It turns out that she faced pretty much the same infractions on every apartment she owned, and it turned out she actually had 12 apartments, but I initially only knew about the ones that fell within my county. The remaining properties in the next county over were given a mysterious heads up to perform a surprise inspection. From what I can tell, Jay's mom had been in the landlord business for about 40 years, and that collapsed very quickly. Now, since we moved literally one block down the road from our old place, I got to see Jay lose his primary source of income and have to claim bankruptcy, but also saw that his mother was also trying desperately to find a buyer. I learned two years later that she too had to file for bankruptcy. Jay and his mother actually camped out in front of our next apartment for two days, right before she filed for bankruptcy. And I'm guessing just so they could scream at me or my ex-wife at the time. So I called the cops and said that there were strange people standing in a no parking zone and they kept looking up at the second floor. A cruiser swung by and told them to leave. I know I should have used the two months I spent monitoring everything to find a new job, but this was the only time I wanted to hurt a person where they hurt the most and that's right in their wallets. I think I got my point across because none of this would have happened if they had just fixed the ceiling before it collapsed and they honestly have nobody to blame except for themselves. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Wow, this Jay guy and his mother are absolutely awful. I kind of wish the original poster walked outside, rubbed their fingers together, and pretended to play the smallest violin right as they're trying to basically recover their lives. How on earth could someone be so heartless? Here you have a tenant whose mother passed away, and all you can do is say, woe is me, too bad, so sad, give me my money. Like seriously, you're gonna get your money. This is not the time to act like that. Those people were awful, and honestly, this revenge was so well-deserved. They were literally slumlords, like there's no other way of describing them. They were skating by on the system and intimidating their tenants into saying nothing. So truly, good for the original poster for speaking up. You put these people in their place, and you probably helped a lot of people escape a really sketchy apartment. If you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out, link down below in the description. Also, go to amithejerk.com slash submit if you would like to submit your own stories. Am I the Jerk for screaming at a lady at the park after she let her unleashed dog near my dog? Here's what happened. So I'm a 21-year-old male, and I've been helping my brother out by walking his large dog while he's on vacation. He is generally well-behaved, but he is still reactive to other dogs due to an incident with an aggressive dog. So he has to wear one of those head-pulling harnesses, and he has a thick collar so that we can hold onto it if needed. The other day, I was walking him down a long road when a woman turned the corner with her dog. It was a smaller dog, think like Italian greyhound size, but not nearly as slender. I made my brother's dog sit down and I held his collar. But when I looked up, I noticed the dog was off their leash, which is something that's not allowed in this area. She was still a little ways away, but her dog was running up to us. So I shouted by saying, my dog is not friendly, please get your dog. She shouted for her dog to come back, but it ignored her and kept coming directly for us. She didn't speed up or anything though. Now, my dog is usually pretty good with other leash dogs. He'll be on alert and might pull once or twice, but he's more curious than anything. And making him sit is so everyone is more comfortable since he is a very big dog. Unleashed dogs freak him out though and put him majorly on the defensive. So he was growling and trying to get in between me and this dog. I was trying to get it to go away, but it wasn't leaving. So at this point, I just full body hugged him to try and calm him down and shouted for this lady to get her stupid dog. When she got her dog, she said I didn't need to shout and that he's harmless and he just wants to be friends. So I said to her, yeah, well mine's not harmless and he doesn't like dogs. She then seriously said that I didn't need to be rude about it. I then went back at her and I said, would you rather I be rude or your dog dead? Because he saw your dog as a threat and it wasn't going to end well if you didn't come and get him. This really upset her, which is kind of fair. And she said, well maybe he shouldn't be in public if he can't play nice. And I just said, or maybe you could follow the rules and keep your stupid dog on a leash. Not everyone wants to be best friends with your dog. She called me some words worse than a jerk and stormed off with her still unleashed dog. Now, for some important context, the incident with the aggressive dog was my brother being attacked by an off-leash dog. They both were okay, but it was traumatic for both of them. So when a dog runs up to us or jumps on us, it honestly freaks him out and he tries to protect the people he's with. The little dog kept jumping up on me no matter how many times I said no or even gently pushed it away. We also specifically walked this route since there's lots of signs posted about keeping your dogs on a leash. We're also working to make him less reactive, but he just isn't there with an off-leash dog yet. So am I the jerk in this situation? What should I do? You are not the jerk in this situation. That lady was completely out of line. She was letting this dog walk around without a leash and that is completely unacceptable. That area is very specific. You have to have a leash if you want to have your 
dog in the park. That's literally the entire reason you go there. So no, you are not the jerk here. That lady was an absolute moron and honestly, I would have been rude to her as well because the way she was acting was inappropriate and she needs to do better. Otherwise, a meaner dog is probably going to snatch up her dog. The new management of a bus depot deny my friends from parking on their property. So they decide to maliciously comply, parking in such a way that blocked one of their entrances and denied them the opportunity to turn their buses around for their routes, thus costing them a lot of money in the process. Here's what happened. My friends live in a house that is in front of a bus depot. There's an entrance on one side and an exit in the other. For years, with permission of the owner, they parked their cars beside the house, along a wide part of the exit for the depot. It was convenient, and friendly relations meant my friends did not complain when diesel engines fired up in the early hours to warm up outside their bedroom windows. A couple decades later, the business is taken over by a national chain, and with that comes a number of changes. New, tall fences that obstruct views, gates on the entrances and exits, more buses stored that require more maneuvering, and more young, under-experienced drivers. When moving buses, they regularly chipped a fence post, moving them from the exit to the entrance of the depot. The road was narrow with a big hedge on the other side, so it was not a task to perform carelessly. After a couple of broken fences, eventually the wooden post was replaced with a sturdy, reinforced concrete equivalent, and the driver stopped hitting it in a hurry. Another change that came down the pipeline shortly after was that the owners required my friends to stop parking on depot grounds. They wanted the space for their own staff. After asking if there were other spaces that would be acceptable, they were told in no uncertain terms that the cars were not to be on the property at all under any circumstances. So here comes the malicious compliance, and with it, the dawning realization for management that there was a reason the previous owner had been so accommodating, because now they parked their cars outside the front of the house instead. As the law does not allow parking on the sidewalk, they must be parked on the road proper, so they absolutely block about half the narrow road. Consequently, the long buses could no longer pull out from the exit and turn around the house without hitting the cars. If they needed to go on a route in that direction or just pull a bus around to the entrance, they now have to turn the other way and drive a couple miles around country lanes instead just to get where they need to go. The impact was felt immediately. The depot managers called the police to complain about the obstruction, but the police not only confirmed that the cars were parked legally, but that they must not obstruct the sidewalk, so they could not be parked closer in. Management also petitioned to the local council to have that part of the road designated for no parking. But fortunately for my friends, that has been successfully fought off. Honestly, this is new management's problem. If they had just let these people park in that space, nothing would have changed and everything would have been fine. But instead, they have to drive miles just to get to the entrance and exit of this depot. That is honestly hilarious to me. These buses, by the way, are not easy to drive. I know personally, I would not know how to do it. You need to know your routes and you need to know where you can and cannot turn around. So honestly, the previous owner was really smart. They had a good plan and they set up a good gig with the people who lived in that house. So honestly, good for you for maliciously complying. This new management and new company absolutely messed up. And as a result of being selfish, they made their lives a lot harder for literally no reason. Am I the jerk for refusing to be available for emergencies during my holiday vacation? Here's what happened. So my holidays were approved by my manager one month ago. Yesterday, my colleague John, that's not his real name, which I am very friendly with, also wanted to take a trip to an exotic country to see his friend the same days as my holidays. I told him that I'm very 
sorry, but I have things planned out and I cannot move my holidays. However, I will not leave the country. I will just spend some time with my boyfriend. Afterwards, my manager tells me that he would really like to approve John's holidays, but I need to be available in case of urgency, even though there's a small risk that an urgency would even arise. Also, he doesn't want the superiors to be mad at him for not having a backup plan in case something urgent arises. But blatantly, I told him that I cannot accept that. I would be busy enjoying my holidays, and I'm not even sure if my manager has the right to ask me that. Well, now I have the impression that my colleague is mad at me for ruining his chance of an exotic holiday as it seems like a once-in-a-lifetime trip. But I believe that my manager is responsible for this. If he wants to accept the holidays of my colleague, he can sacrifice his own holidays and be available instead. So am I the jerk for ruining my colleague's chances to go on this trip? What should I do? This is not your fault and this is a classic case of the manager not doing their job. Literally, your manager is there for a reason so that they can find somebody to replace you if there really is some kind of urgent matter. I honestly hate how managers try to make it their employee's problem when they're simply trying to request time off. And that's terrible work practice because it basically bumps one coworker into another with management seemingly being very nice. So no, you are not the jerk in this situation. Your manager is the jerk for trying to pit you up against John. That's not fair. And if they were actually competent at their job, they would have found a replacement and not bothered you with something so frivolous. Thanks for watching. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications so you never miss a video. To finish listening to all the stories, check out the playlist at the top of the description. And if you want some vibey music to put on in the background, check out Easy Mode. If you like Am I the Jerk, check out Am I the Genius. Everything will be linked in the description.